0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Professor P. Podcast and the Influence series. My name is Parsa Pekar. I'm a psychotherapist, professor, and author. And in today's episode, we are answering the question of what is the role and influence of resilience in making an impact. First, we are delving deep into the timeless insight from Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which is one of the best books I've personally read and mentioned so many great things about purpose and what it means for us to follow that. And then on the second part, we're going to have a guest on the show who's going to share about his experience, about resilience, and how it's related to his boxing profession. And lastly, I have one of my students on the podcast who's going to share her opinion on our today's subject and research question. The book, Man's Search for Meaning, is a profound exploration of human psychology, resilience, and the relentless pursuit of meaning, even in the most challenging circumstances. And before we dive into the top lessons, I would like to establish a background of the author and the book itself. So Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, was also a psychiatrist and neurologist, wrote his book, Man Search for Meaning, in 1946, which is basically his experiences in Nazi concentration camp during World War II, which Frankl provide such a profound perspective on suffering, resilience, and the human spirit, which he later developed a psychology theory, which we call existential theory, therapy, which is based on the idea that the world ultimately has no meaning, but we need to make a meaning out of it for ourselves in order to deal with suffering, right? And the role of self-responsibility is very important when we talk about this theory. And in order for us to truly appreciate Search for meaning, we must first understand the remarkable journey of the author Viktor Frankl, which was born in Vienna in 1905. And he had such a keen interest in psychology and philosophy, and his studies led him to explore the complexities of human existence and inherent need for meaning. And there are some backgrounds which I want to tell. First of all, he was a beacon of resilience, so his academic pursuits were temporarily interrupted by the rise of Nazism, and he was deported to various concentration camps, including Auschwitz. In the midst of unimaginable suffering and loss, his spirit remained unbroken. And he used his psychological insight to help himself and fellow prisoners find purpose in the midst of the horrors. you know, all the sufferings that was happening in those camps. Another key point is his existential analysis. So during his time in the concentration camp, he observed the power of the human spirit to find meaning even in the darkest circumstances. And his observation laid the groundwork for his development of what we talked about earlier about the existential therapy. And of course, that led him to the birth of this book, which is A Search, Man's Search for Meaning, which he talked about his experience, observation, and profound wisdom and might provide a guiding light to those who have existential questions about their life, right, and their struggles. One of his quotes, which I admire a lot uh, of Viktor Frankl, is about what it means to be self-actualized, right? And what he talks about in his book as well is being human always points and is directed to something or someone other than oneself. So, to be more forgetting oneself, which means we give ourselves to a cause which is greater than ourself, which is ultimately service. He defined that as self-actualization. So he said that what is called self-actualization is not an attainable aim at all for the simple reason that the more one would strive for it, the more he would miss it. In another word, self-actualization is possible only as a side effect of self-transcendence, which he defined self-transcendence in finding a meaning and serving yourself to the highest degree, which I absolutely love. And this is something we are discussing throughout our episode, that the greatest way to gain influence and leadership is basically through service. And that's the main key. So let's talk about some of the lessons, which I want to mention, and then I'm going to talk about some of the best practical ways we can apply those lessons into our life. The first lesson is finding purpose in suffering. So Frankl underscores the notion that suffering, which is inevitable in our life, right? According to existential therapy, and of course his writing, suffering is part of our life, and I can't totally relate to this, I believe all of us can, that either one time or another, we have experienced suffering or we know people who have, and this is something we experience. And he suggests that by assigning meaning to our pain, right, meaning that we find a purpose in the midst of that pain, we transform it into a catalyst for personal growth and psychological resilience. This is also another, lead me to another theory, which I teach in my classes, which is called carrier construction theory, which basically means what is our period occupation can turn into our occupation or purpose in life. So our pain can be such a great source in finding our purpose and meaning. The second lesson is the resilience of hope. So Franco observed that even in the toughest circumstances, maintaining hope was a crucial factor in surviving and thriving, which this can teach us the importance of cultivating and nurturing hope as a psychological resource during times of adversity. The third point and lesson is about the power of inner freedom. Frankl introduces the idea that no matter the external circumstances, we always retrain the power to choose our response, which is our attitude basically. And the internal freedom is the bedrock of resilience, enabling us to adapt and cope with challenges in empowering ways. This point really reminds me of the book I've wrote when I had that experience of visiting inmates in the jail. And after visiting them, what I've realized that freedom is not really about location, but our inner state, meaning a person who feels the inner freedom can be in a place where maybe his outside freedom has been taken away and still to some degree experience joy, right? Then when I came outside the jail, I would go every week or twice a week. When I went outside and saw some people which were outside, I realized that they had the external freedom, but inside they were not free. And for me, that those people suffer even more, right? Because There is that term that a person who does not feel free inside, wherever they go, they will make that place into a prison. And I cannot agree with this point even more because the way our thinking works is we always translate what's inside to our outside world. So when we have not experienced freedom within ourselves, we try to project that to the other world and to our relationships, to our circumstances, etc., The fourth lesson is reframing tragedy tragedy into success. Franco's concept of tragic optimism revolves around transforming our tragic experiences into opportunities for growth and resilience. There is a saying that without the rain, you cannot have the rainbow, right? Without the suffering, there can be no joy. And I believe this this is true to some degree. If you imagine the experience you've gone through, which were a lot of pain involved and suffering. And when you came out of it, you realize that many times you've become another person in the result of that. Hopefully for the good, because many times, depending how we respond, right? Going back to the second lesson, which he talked about of how we have that control to respond to our situation we can turn our pain into something which can help us to grow as an individual, right? And when you think about your past and how some of the things you've gone through and you've made out of it, you realize that you've become another person. And more importantly, your mind, your thinking has changed, right? The whole concept of suffering, according to doc, uh, Dr. Frankl, was that we experience suffering and to some degree those suffering can hurt us for the way we think about them, right? If we think about them in a way that is very negative, they tend to cause us even more suffering. So it's not that much about the pain or the suffering that hurts us, even though that does, but more importantly is the message we tell ourselves for those suffering that can hurt us even more. So that's important to realize what messages are we communicating when we are dealing with our suffering. Stay tuned, because when we come back, we're going to hear from our guest, who's a professional boxer, and his experience relating to resilience. Robbie, welcome to our show. I'm going to have you introduce yourself and give us one value that is important to you.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm um, Robbie Davis, Jr. Um, I'm a professional boxer from Liverpool. And um, if I could give one word to everyone, I would aim to be truthful. um, Because I think to be truthful going forward with what any aspect of life you're in will always do good by you.
0: I totally agree with that. such an important and great value. Uh, so Robbie, first of all, how's Liverpool? Tell us a little bit about there.
1: It, I, you know what? Like, um, I've lived in Liverpool my whole life, and um, it's a very proud city, and um, we're very proud of our own. Um, as a lot of people know, Liverpool Football Club or the Beatles, um, they're more the more well known from the city. But um, at the moment, the sun's still shining, the weather's nice, um, and the people are great. So. I suggest if anyone's listening and the plan on traveling to the UK, Liverpool is definitely a good spot.
0: Yeah, I've been to London, but not Liverpool. So I really like Premier League, the club teams, and yeah. I look forward to be there. <laughs> yeah, See, like when
1: I when I do my training, I train in London, mm-hmm. but um, London's like a very very busy city compared to Liverpool. Liverpool's a busy city because it is a growing city, but. It's not compared to London, so it's a little bit more chilled out in Liverpool.
0: Yeah, totally. I know London is very big, so I was there just for one day. I need to definitely be more days visit there as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Great, Robbie. So today we are discussing the influence of resilience, and as a former, you know, European champion and someone who's in this profession, you know, of boxing, I believe it requires you to face a lot of victories and defeats, right? Into either your day to day training or when you're out there. Um, So I think the first question I'd like to ask you is how do you draw strength from your setback and use them to fool your determination and growth?
1: Yeah, I think it's um, like when you start boxing, you you become very passionate about what you want to achieve. And then... um, a lot of people like, like a lot of people can lack motivations at times, but your consistency of doing it, like, f- like, like from like myself, I've done it since a very young age, since I was a teenager, and the consistency of doing it day after day after day, it's like it always shows in the fighters that do better than the others because we have put that that more time in and that more effort in, and um, like you said there about um taking setbacks or losing or defeats. um, I'm definitely a fighter that showed resilience in that sort of way because um, even early in my career, um, I took a defeat and then I had a rematch and then beat the person again and then went on to win numerous titles. And and then later down the line, I was to lose again. And people people at the time were saying because in boxing fans can be very um, can be very harsh on you and it can be like yeah. that's City's finished it, it's not like football where you can lose three games but still go on to win the league like if you lose three matches in boxing people will start saying you're finished yeah. where many a times like I've been knocked down by the public but then pulled myself back up or got myself with a new team who've been able to lift me confidence again, and then I've been able to show me level and reach reach back up to the heights that I wanted to achieve again and again and again. And like now, again, like coming off a loss in my last fight because I lost a lot of people seeing me and my leg snapped in the ring. I had ligaments, mm. dislocated tendons pulled away. Um, and this has probably been the hardest one for me because... Not only was did I lose, but I couldn't like just wake up the next day and think I'm going to the gym to sort my head out. I was on the bed with I couldn't wait there for two weeks. I just had an operation and had all plates and 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 nuts and bolts put through my ankle. It was a it was a hard time for me, but luckily for myself, I am um, I had a lot of good people around me and um yeah they would help keep me mentally focused and uh, not let me not let me slide too much into like a depression or let anxiety build up too much waiting for what could be next or if this could be over and i had to start thinking of like everything i already have in life rather than everything i'm i'm, I'm wanting to achieve uh, i had to look at look at things in a different mindset just so so i didn't completely fall off the wagon because my head was all over the place at one point. Mm. But um, like I was saying to you before we started recording, like I'm definitely in a better mental place now than I was when I first broke my leg. I'm I'm happy, I'm cheerful, I'm training again, I'm feeling fit. Uh, so 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 now it's just a waiting game now to um, see what gets proposed to me.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned something very important, and I actually talked about this in the book review. I don't know if, Robbie, have you heard, uh, have you read the Men's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, the book? It's a Mm -hmm. very existential book, which talks about how he was a prisoner. He was not a, he was a um, person who went through the Auschwitz concentration camp. So he talks about his experience. He was a psychiatrist and psychologist and how he made it out of those camps. And he quotes, uh, Uh, something very important and he says a person who has a why can bear almost anyhow right and i think you mentioned about purpose and i believe when you have that purpose for yourself and what you want to achieve the setbacks and challenges can still be on the way and it is right it's going to be along your path but you're able kind of to deal with it in a better way and light
1: yeah like like they say, get knocked down six times, but get up seven. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've actually, I've actually been to Ostr- ostrich in Germany. I've actually been to the camps to see them. Yeah. So um, I, I remember going there with me missus at the time, and I was just like, wow. Do you know what I mean? It's just extraordinary.
0: Yeah, I have seen that too. I've been to Austria, and, and it's it's really heartbreaking to see. Yeah. It is. Um. Would you say, Robbie, for you? I mean. I I mentioned earlier that when we were talking that I started doing boxing myself, you know, not to do professionally, of course, because professionally it's another level altogether. And I understand that in, in so many ways, as you mentioned, you go against a person and the defeat can hurt much more than let's say a football team, which you have so yeah. many games, etc.
1: Yeah. With a football team as well, lower today, it's it's a team effort and there's eleven of yours. So when you lose, you've all you've got ten other people, or God knows how many of you to to um to take it with you. So like you can all grieve together we and the very next week, you'll be playing against so you've got a chance to redeem yourselves. Whereas in boxing, it's a it's a lonely sport. Um, and people will tell you that even, even away from the actual ring, like when you're training and you're you're training to get ready for a fight, like your friends are calling you up to go and do things, and you've got to miss out. And you're working away from home. You're not with your family. Like when people say to you, "Boxing is the loneliest sport in the world." It is because even when you're in the ring, if you lose, then that's on you. You lose on your own, and um, it's then you grieve. You grieve on your own as well. Like I've I've had many a times where I've took where I've took a loss, and I haven't wanted to leave me out because. It hurt me that bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I've got to wait six six months minimum before I get my next fight to try and redeem myself. So um, that's definitely one of the one of the worst sides. Like the um, but don't get me wrong. When you win, <laughs> that's the good sides as well. You can, yeah. you can walk you can walk through the town centre and everyone's shouting you and you're like hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good good fight. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So. It yeah, has yes. its pros and cons.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, when you win, it's just such a joy yeah. and a feeling. Would you say something that helped you, Robbie? Because we, I also talked about this when I was doing the book review. That one of the best way we can make sense out of our suffering is to give it a purpose, right? Yeah. Like even those defeats that you experience, would you say that you have you find a purpose which is greater than those setbacks? So that helps you to overcome those challenges or those defeats that you face?
1: Yeah, I think like um with every defeat I've ever taken taken, I've um I've become better for it. And um if you knew new me before my very first loss, I was probably a different person. I've probably matured a lot more. I've probably like when I was back then, I probably wasn't someone who could give advice to a younger fighter. Whereas now, I've like been there, done it, seen it. Every scenario you can think of in a boxing ring: win, lose, lost, draw, knockout. I, I've done it all, so I believe I'm. It's like I still feel young, but it's 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 fair to say that I'm like one of the um one of the more experienced. Fighters now, like him, um, where I know I've only got a couple of years left, where I could give advice to these younger fighters. Now, fighters are exceptional and going to go on to be world champions. Which, unlucky for me, I never achieved. I could definitely give them a few pointers. What I wouldn't have been able to give them to without them losses on my record.
0: Yeah, yeah. So actually, this is a great that you mentioned this, Robbie, because I was going to ask you for and I, and you mentioned earlier too a lot of it is about your mindset right being a professional boxer and going to that ring and you know you're by yourself so it requires, yeah. requires you such a great strength you know to have in your mind uh, what would you say is what's going on in the mind of a boxer like day to day and then if you can give like something about what makes it successful? That boxer, like, what is it about their mindset, which you would say this is what really helps them to become successful at boxing.
1: I probably say, like him um, with with boxing. Consistency builds success. Um, that's a saying given by one of my teammates. What he always preaches, and um, when you when you look into boxing. All the fighters that give consistency and even the days when you're not motivated and you feel tired and you don't want to go to the gym, that consistency of still going, um, I think always helps the helps fighters moving forward. And then like like for an example, like the build up to a fight like um, not many fighters will tell you this, but when you're when you're when you're walking to the ring, like that is when the nerves hit you. You're mm-hmm. like, this is it. And, and like, it's like, it's like, it's like fear or flight. Do you know what I mean? It's either you're going to let the fear consume you or you're going to use it to, you're going to harness it to make you perform better in the ring. Yeah. Um, but when you're walking to the ring, like it's the only sport in the world, I think is where, like when the fans all go crazy and, you, and, you, and you're feeling them all and they're all cheering for you or sometimes they're even against you it's like it's like an electricity that goes through your body like it, it's unexplainable unless you've unless you've been there to to understand like mm. you can't tell someone that feeling it's like like what some people like when they jump out of a plane and um, with a parachute on like that's the feeling when you're walking to that ring and and then the second you're in the ring and you're facing each other and that bell goes it's like the fear completely goes out of your body because you know it's now it's now time to switch on. There's no time to be angry. There's no time to be happy. It's just complete focus. There's all the crowd don't matter anymore. It's just you and him and it's you just become solely focused on on the job and job at hand. Um and I don't feel like there's any other sport in the world that that gives you that.
0: Yeah, so you would say like you use that, it's, it's how you use that fear, right? When you enter that ring. Exactly. How do you kind of direct that? You, you yeah. direct that.
1: You'll, see, you'll see, I've seen it before, like some fighters, they've been okay when they're at the lower level and then when they get to a top level and they know they're fighting an opponent who's a top opponent who's just as good as them and you can see the nerves of consuming them and you can see it's going to affect the way they fight before they've even threw a punch because the nerves are just everywhere. You can see their eyes, the pupils are wide open. Yeah. And then like three, four rounds in, they've trained like a demon for months. Mm. All of a sudden, they're like, they're tired because the nerves have just consumed them and, and and they haven't been able to control them. And the other fighter who's been at the top level longer, is just nice and calm, breathing correctly, knows what to do at that top level. And that, that that is always a factor when you see like, if you can't control the nerves, the nerves will control you and it, it always plays a part in the big fights.
0: Yeah, and what I understand, Robbie, they both experience that fear and nerve, but how you kind of deal with that, right? Do you hold that calm demeanor or you let it take over you, which results, of course, in your body language? And I'm sure... The other boxer realize that, like you see it and that's like a show of weakness from that person.
1: And that's from the other fighter. And even if he can't see it at first, two, two three rounds in, the other fighter will be able to hear you he, hear you breathing heavy. Yeah. And then, no, you're getting tired quick. And even though he knows not much is happening, he'll know like the nerves are just taking over you and you haven't been able to control them. And that's when they'll slowly start to come in then and start to break you down. And some fighters will just be like, oh, he was just too good. But from looking in from the outside, where like your nerves got the better of you. And that's what what initially lost you the fight.
0: Yeah, you know what comes to my mind, Robbie? They've done this research on CEOs and they divided them in two groups, right? So one of them was how they, and the research was how they would, see stress right so one group saw them as something very negative you know something that makes them tired etc the other group were kind of excited by the stress because they realized oh like now they're curious they challenge them etc and the, oh, yeah. the second group god was way better than the other CEOs right yeah. and the whole point is how do you redirect that situation do you see it as a way that's going to to bring you down or if you change your language about it right many times I talk about this to my clients too the way you see the situation and the message that you give to it right or meaning to it determines a lot about what's what you're going to get at the end the result I so, think
1: I think people I like it's I don't, I don't know is it is it something you can teach people or is it just something that's built in people because I've seen some people that they just never get over it, like that That sort of being able to deal with it the right way. And some people, it just like completely blows over the heads. They're like, they're just meant to be there. Like it doesn't bother them at all. Yeah. Where some people, they walk into the ring and they're like, they're shaking.
0: <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's a good question. And I think, Robbie, it goes back to understanding how you make sense out of that situation, right? If you're going to that boxing ring, first of all, you need to kind of be aware of your body, right? I am experiencing this and this is normal, kind of kind of normalize it. Okay, this is the feeling that I have. But trying to kind of with your language and the way you determine that situation to be redirect that into something that is positive, right? Okay, this is instead of calling it even like a negative word, you can say, oh, this is exciting. I'm excited to get in there, right? Or I just look forward to it. So you kind of try to trick your mind into understanding okay, this is a good situation rather than kind of letting yeah. that emotion take over.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like you've got to you've got to be able to look at it as a good thing rather than a neg- ne- negative because I think that's the worst thing you can do.
0: Yeah. You know what comes also to my mind? And I want to ask you this question too, Robbie. There is this quote by San Tizu. He wrote the book, Art of War. It's a very ancient text. And he talks about all wars are won or lost before they're ever fought. Do you agree with that statement? Meaning many times before you even go to that ring. Or, I mean, we are talking about life itself. The preparation, yeah. the mindset that you have really determines, for most part, the results.
1: Yeah, like, do you know what? Because that's like what I was saying before. Like, sometimes you can walk to that ring and the, the confidence isn't with you. And that can be the demeanor of you winning or losing, where the other fighter can be completely, 100%, um... In control and positive and thinking, I'm gonna win this fight no matter what. Yeah. And where if the other fighters haven't doubts in himself before he's even got in the ring, then I think that's like what the saying says: before, before you're even in the war, it's already lost.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, on that point, I think when I think about boxing, and of course, Ravi, you do it professionally, and I mentioned that. I've done some training, but it doesn't even come close, right? I just do it once a week and it's more about getting it done, you know, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy it. But I also realize boxing requires a lot of breakthrough, like both physically and mental barriers, right? Even when I get there and I just do it for one hour, it's just a lot of physical strain, mental strain that you have to go through, you know, to get through that session, um, I just want to hear from you, Robbie, were there instances where you have maybe confronted limiting beliefs about yourself and maybe how you've applied, you know, the principles we talk about choosing your response, right? Like kind of redirecting that into a positive way. How have you chosen to have that response or that attitude for yourself where you've kind of overcome that limiting beliefs? Sometimes,
1: like especially when it comes down to the training side of things, and you're in the gym, that is one of the benefits of being in a gym alongside other good fighters, because on on every given day, not all us are going to feel like training. So on them days where one years don't feel like training, the others are there to pick it up, and that's like that's like the good sense of having a good teammate next to you because. I've had many a times where I've come into the gym and it might be a Wednesday and the Monday and Tuesday have absolutely battered my body. And on the Wednesday, I don't even want to be there. But then someone else in the gym is like, come on, Rob, you can you can do this. And they'll giro up. And then they get like that, because you, you're with gym mates, you always have that competitive edge and you always want to outdo each other. And it'll drag you through the session, whether you want to be there or not. And sometimes like them them sessions when you don't want to be there, but you still get through it, they can be the difference from win on or no, losing a fight six weeks down the line.
0: Yeah, so it's the social support, which I'm understanding that plays like a key role.
1: Yeah, that definitely plays a key role. Like in my first gym, whatever trains in, like I was really the only fighter. And um that was where I started to struggle because On them days where I didn't want to be in the gym, Mm -hmm. there wasn't talk me out of it, and I was just like, I was just like a robot. I wasn't enjoying it anymore, Mm -hmm. and at that point, I just come off a loss, and I just lost like a big fight, main event, and I thought, if I'm ever gonna leave this gym, it needs to be now, and then I left and moved to another gym, and I felt like a family mojo again, and pick myself back up and then i started again and started um going through the gears through me through me records again and then obviously I'm, I'm where i am now
0: yeah so robbie in, with that question i mean you mentioned about let's say a boxer goes through a defeat and that's such a topic okay. for them right after the fight because it was one oh one, right? Their self-confidence is low, and that's totally understandable. How would you yeah. say mental health has played a role in boxers' life? Is that something maybe a stigma you would say? Because yeah. to me, maybe it's sound from from the way I perceive it. Maybe for many boxers, kind of seeking mental health would show a sign of weakness in a way, which Yeah, um
1: that that's in the past, that's definitely been a thing because, um, not even just with boxers, with men in general, a lot of them won't speak up. Right. Um, and with boxing, like I've said before, it's a very, it's a very lonely sport. And when you lose, it's like, it's like you're in limbo, because your most people when you lose your contract becomes void, where you've then got you don't know. What the promoter is then feeling? Is he going to give you another shot? Is he thinking, mm. "I'm not you again now. This is the end of you." Is your manager going to be able to find you more work, more fights? Like, am I going to have to look down another career path? Am I going to have to do something else with my life? Is this the end? And it's all ifs, much if, buts, and maybe's. Like, mm. and and. And sometimes, especially when you're coming off a loss, like if you were coming off a win, you wouldn't have any of these problems because you know you're going to get another fight and another fight if you keep winning. But when you're coming off losses, you're you're in limbo. You honestly don't know what's next. And some fighters haven't been able to handle it, and they've just been like, I'm just leaving boxing now, and I'm getting out while I can because, because I've got a family and kids, and... I haven't got time to be waiting around and that's what I was saying about myself earlier on like I've showed resilience and I've I've stuck I've stuck by it and I've I've proven myself time and time again that even after a loss I can come back where some fighters haven't had the time or they haven't had the money to um, to take that time of resilience and and go against the pressure of waiting for a fight where even like a time like now for me like I'm, I'm fit and I'm ready to go, but I'm still unsure to 100% of when my next fight's going to be. Um, and this is what I'm saying like, this is mentally half the battle. And then, like you see with many fighters, when we leave boxing, because our whole lives have been like structured and we've had a um, routine, wake up in the morning, run have your dinner, go and get a wash, sit and wait, go to the gym. And your whole life has been set out for you for what you're going to do. And then all of a sudden you've got no routine and you're like, what do I do with myself? Yeah. And and then all your friends, what, have always cheered you on. Well, normally you're not with them of a day. And then you realise that, well, they're in work of a day and your missus is in work and, and the children are in nursery and you've got no one to spend the time with because normally you'd be in a boxing gym where... Now you've got nothing to do, but everyone around you they're busy with their lives, and I think I think that's what a lot of a lot of boxers struggle with is losing that um that routine and not knowing what's next because a lot of fighters like myself mm-hmm. you've given absolutely everything to the sport for your entire life you haven't you haven't put your finger in any other pies to like make sure you've got something else ready. You've just given everything to the one sport. Like, like now myself, like I'm thinking, I know even on my best days that my career hasn't got too long left because I'm thirty three, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do next? Like because it not only is it finding what I'm going to do next, it's finding something that you enjoy as well that you're gonna that you're gonna do for the rest of your life, and someone like me if I am not doing something that is related to sports, then I know I'm going to struggle. Like I couldn't work in an office. I wouldn't work in a bank. I couldn't, there's loads, which are all great jobs, but I just know I wouldn't be happy in them. So I think that's where the mental side of things come into it. And not just boxing. It's probably in all sports because most sports and professional athletes that are at a high level have given everything to that specific sport and then, when it's time for change, that's where the struggle comes in,
0: right? Because I also believe that it becomes a big part of their identity, right? As you were saying, like, yeah, they, there are these athletes, boxer, professional soccer player, etc., and all of a sudden there is that change, right? Where they no longer see themselves in that position, or when someone asks you, um, like, when's your next fight, and you're like.
1: I'm not fighting anymore, mm-hmm. and they were like, "What you do now?" I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know, they like that. That
0: that's the struggle. That's the the side of things. Right, and a lot of that right is like asking yourself that question. okay, who I'm going to be even after you know my career is over? Right, that's a the question they struggle. And something else, Robbie, that I've seen as as I work with athletes, they struggle is. There's one thing that, you know, let's say you lose a match or, not, you know, in a game or a boxing match that you feel kind of bad for yourself, but it's another thing. Others kind of have that expectation of you, right, that you win or et cetera, and you have to deal with that. So that's something I always kind of tell many people who see, see athletes and they really respect them, which they deserve to be respected for their dedication and the work they're putting, they need even more mental support, I believe, because the pressure on them is so high, right? There is that element that not only they have that expectation of themselves, but others have that expectation and it can be overwhelming, right? Let's say when they experience a defeat or setback or injury or, you know, all of that above.
1: Yeah, see, like, that, them sort of things, when they get on top of fighters, um, they're the sort of things what cause the mental struggle because, like, myself, like, that's what I was saying before, like, my worst loss has been this one because I was it was an injury and I couldn't just, like, wake up the next day and think, go to the gym and get some endorphins going and make myself feel good, where I was just sat on the couch, like... I wouldn't say depressed, but I wasn't in the best place. I was just sitting there sad, and then I've got a little daughter who's two, and mm-hmm. she's, like, wanting me to play, and she can't understand that I'm trying to say, like, I can't. I've, I've got to stay still, like, because of my leg. And there's just loads of little factors that come into play, um, especially, um, that's what I'm saying about the winds are so high, like, the glory in boxing when you win is so high but when you lose it is like rock bottom like there's no one else to depend on but yourself there's even if even your coach like they some like a coach can be very close with you and they can feel like they've took the loss with you but it's always you it's always down to you it's on you do you know what I mean Um, and that's what you think
0: totally I think the question comes to my mind, Robbie, is as you gone through this career and, of, of course, you're still going, what are some of the self-reflection that you've had or you would say life lessons that you can apply it to your life or to anyone's life from your boxing career?
1: You know what? Like, um, One of my problems through boxing was um, I always took things too personally because... Like, if you knew me on a personal level, like, I'm probably a bit of a people pleaser. Like, I always like to be on good terms with everyone. So then when someone would, like, tell me no or we can't do this, I'd always, like, take it personally. Like, why, 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 why? But then one of the best advice I ever got was off another boxer who you might have heard of, Tony Bellew. He was, like, a former world champion. And he just told me to as, as personal as you do and just treat it as business so when someone tells you no or you're not getting the fight or you're not getting that money you're just looking at it as in business terms you're not looking at it as like this is my mate who's doing wrong by me because realistically there is there is no friends unless they're your real friends away from boxing That th- it's just business mm. do you know what I mean so so when you're winning, draw with you. Mm-hmm. And when you lose, no one's there. And that's exactly how it is.
0: Yeah. So you would say taking the no in a kind of a positive light and seeing it.
1: I'd always like, I'd always like, if I had, if I had advice to someone like start on boxing now, the advice I'd say to them would, would, would be that I'd say, make sure as your career goes on that you're treated as business and not personal because he will eat away at you where it did for me early in my career and then as I got older I was like ah, oh well do you know what I mean there'll be there'll be another there'll be another opportunity another opportunity will come and it just helped me deal with things a lot better where when I was thinking of it personally I was like I thought we were mates like why would you do that to me and it's like we're not mates <laughs> do
0: you know what I mean yeah totally and I can see how that relates everyone's life when you don't take things personally you tend to deal with things in a better way right because it doesn't stay on that hard well first of all Robbie I just want to thank you for being here I really enjoy my conversation with you and I wish you all the best I know you are getting back to boxing and I look forward to watch your next fight Uh, Robbie something we ask all of our guests as a last question is we want to create this culture that is people good, do good to each other because I believe at the end this is why we are here, right? And as part of being a human, I think it's helping other people. So what would you say your recommendation is for for the listeners to do an act of... A-
1: if you've got a, a relative or a friend or someone is someone you might have fell out with or you've both been too stubborn to give each other that first call. So just remember that one day it might be too late um, and you'll always regret that you never picked up the phone and you never reached out. Be that bigger person and reach out to them and give them that call and just say whatever's on your mind and then hopefully rekindle whatever you've had beforehand
0: yes that's great great awesome Robbie well thanks for being here any last words Robbie before no me?
1: it's been great to speak to you I've enjoyed being on the show and um, I look forward to your next one
0: thank you Robbie I wish you all the best
1: all right thank you
0: Now I have one of my former students, Elise, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Uh, Elise, can you give us a little bit background about yourself and just choose one value that's important to you?
2: Sure. Uh, I just recently graduated in June. Um, I'm a mother of three and a value I think is important is gratefulness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if you can find little things every day to be grateful for, it can sort of keep you happier overall
0: yeah certainly so how's everything been post-graduation
2: it's been great it's been quiet um, I'm not used to not having practicum in school um, so there's a little bit of an adjustment because I don't know if you remember one of my biggest um, or my top strengths in, in, the, in an assessment was that I'm an achiever so for me not to have any any goal that I'm specifically working on is a little bit difficult. Um, but I've been kind of doing, um, you know, looking up Gottman and and getting really solid on um, just different sort of theories so that when I do start um, my new position, then I can just kind of get right into it.
0: Yeah, I do remember that and you did so well in the class. So I certainly, Elise, uh, for today's topic, we are talking about the influence of resilience. So I have my first question is how do you define resilience and what has been that like for you in your own life?
2: Sure. Um, So for me, resilience is being able to overcome hardships uh, without letting it derail you or debilitate you. Um, I remember during my studies, I learned that when people go through a trauma, uh, their resiliency can change even in that same person depending on what stage they're in or different things like that. So, and, and there isn't anything that can predict right? Who's going to be resilient and who isn't, which I think is kind of fascinating. Um, And, you know, I think I've, I've been through quite a bit (laughs) the last say Mm -hmm. five years. And I think for me, I just have always been a positive person. And I always just look, maybe it has to do with my, my strength of being an achiever, right? Like, what is the next step? What do I have to do? How can I change this? So I just, I think for me, um, that's kind of where my resiliency comes from. And I, I think it's funny because my, my therapist asked me she, one day, she's like, where do you get your resiliency from? I was like, I don't know. I don't have an answer. Um, but also, I think when someone feels capable um, and, and secure about themselves and, and their, the power that they have, I think that that can lead to more resiliency as well.
0: Yeah. And the quote that comes to mind is the strongest storm have made the best sellers. That's one of the things that I always think about because I do believe that challenges in life are inevitable, right? We all mm-hmm. go through them and we all have our shares. So it's very important to have that outlook, which is posit- positive outlook as you mentioned, Elise, and being able, I think, to understand that you have something to achieve, right? When you say about the achiever, where you have mm-hmm. something to achieve, so you look up to it and that kind of motivates you to go through that challenges. Right. Yeah. Uh, so for you, to my understanding, it's defined as having something you look forward to and you, you want to achieve. That's how you define resilience in some way.
2: Yeah, and I think also knowing your power, right? I think if you know your power and you know that you can make the changes necessary in your life that you need to if something's not going the way you want it to. Um, <clears throat> if you have that, then I think it can push you to, you know, not not freeze, I guess, in a sense, not not feel stuck.
0: Yeah, make you move forward. And for this episode, uh, the book review I did was on Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Have you read that, Elise? I
2: have not, but it sounds interesting.
0: Yeah. So that really talks about a lot about resiliency and what it means to be resilient. And he was uh, one of the founders of Existential Therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very interesting book on how we can overcome very difficult situations, which he did. You know, eventually he was in the Nazi's camp and he made it, you know, he survived that. So it's a very interesting book. Great, so uh, Elise, for the last question, I just wanna ask you if you want to encourage the listeners to do an act of kindness, what would that be?
2: Um, I think that sometimes just the act of connecting with someone can be an act of kindness because you never really know what people are going through. Um, so, you know, sometimes when I'm at the store, I'll, I'll make a comment like, oh, I really like your shirt or your hair looks nice today or, you know, something that's not creepy sounding. Right. (laughs) Um, and I think that, you know, and just smiling, uh, smiling at people and, and just kind of connecting. And that can also be with your family, right. Um, call, call, call your family member and, and just check up on them. Um, or a friend that you maybe know isn't doing well, or have, or, you know, is struggling with something.
0: Certainly, I know, always starts with the people who are around us. So that totally makes sense. Uh, What future holds for you, Elise?
2: Well, I have had a position waiting for me since February. (laughs) So um, I, you know, I'm going to go there and and do my associateship. Um, I'm hoping to eventually work with people with trauma um uh because i think from you know some of the stuff that i've been through i i can really empathize with them and uh sort of empower them right to not let whatever trauma they've had define them or work through you know their ptsd or whatever it is that they need to work through mm-hmm. um yeah, for me, I'm just, you know, even, even in practicum, you know, when I was able to help someone empower themselves, it just is such a good feeling. Um, so, so yeah, so I have, you know, a few years of my associateship to get my hours. And, um, then I think I would like to do a private practice. Um, but I don't know, you know, we'll see, we'll see, you know who I bump into right <laughs> and right. and and who I meet and you know maybe the direction I'll end up going
0: yeah great well I wish you all the best Elise, and thanks for being here
2: all right thank you so much
0: Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to be with you in the next episode. And meanwhile, if you want to stay connected, you can reach me via email at contact at parsapaycar.com.